0: in this fight, all right. Text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to seven eight five eight three three. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers seven eight five eight three three. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, *The Boar's Nest*. Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Mike and I were talking about really good episodes that people may have missed if they've just subscribed to the BobbyCast. I'm gonna go back... I mean, it's been a while. I mean, the episode was 177, so it's been over 100 episodes ago. Uh, We talked to Jay DeMarcus from Rascal Flats on how the Flats was really formed. There are all these urban legends and his faith. So it's a really great one. And, you know, uh, Jay now has his own record label, Mm -hmm. and I think those guys will eventually go, we should just play. We should just get back together. Let's do it again. Yes. I know they're not – they've broken up, they're – Not together. I don't know what their official status is right now, Um, and I know Gary pretty well. Um, And I just think eventually, even if it's two, three years from now, they go, "Let's just do it again," you know. And Gary and Jay—they were in a video together recently. They're cousins. Yeah. So I want this is great. His book, Shotgun Angels, had just come out, so he stopped by the house and we talked about that too. But this is Jay Demarcus from Rascal Flats. In case you missed it, it's a really great episode. Check it out. Trying to get a nut. Yeah, trying to, to, I'm the ultimate squirrel. Always trying to get a nut.
1: Me too, buddy. And it's a grind. book. Every, you name it.
0: Yeah. Uh, episode 177 with Jada Marcus of uh, Rascal Flats. Um, so we're talking. We're about to start saying this off the air because uh, it's tough to sell books. Yeah. Especially when it's not what you're known for. Right. Exactly. Because that that's been my thing is that what, write a book. What yeah. what does Bobby? What does Jay know about? books. And so yeah, you have to kind of go out and re-hustle. You do.
1: Yeah. Wait, musicians can write and I read? Not. Exactly. Yeah, you do. I mean, yeah. I'm always up for a new challenge though. I'm, I I think you and I are wired more alike probably than we know. I love to work. Like idle time does not serve me well. Yeah, me either. I can't sit around and, you know, spend, I'll start spinning out about the silliest things if I do, you know.
0: Is it some sort of deeper... Uh, maybe psychological thing that we like to work. Like, are are you trying to prove, who are you trying to prove something to yourself?
1: I think if you read part of that book, it, it would be my dad. You know, there's a lot of me that feels like I never quite lived up to what he expected me to be. I guess and that put a lot of pressure on me, which I used as fuel early early on in life. But it still fuels me. And it's, for me, it's been like I grew up in pretty close to poverty, and so it's like
0: trying to prove me too. To, yeah, to everybody that so. I, I wish my idle time, my, my itchiness with idle time was uh, just because I, I do love working, but I think I've convinced myself I love working c- because I'm trying to prove it to everyone that I can make it.
1: Yeah, I, I think that I have a little bit of that in me too. It's like when you, whenever you have some success and you celebrate it, you don't celebrate it and live in the moment long enough because I go, I got to do, do more because I, <laughs> I haven't done enough yet. I got to get back after it and go back out there and do something good again. And a lot of it, I like to try to prove to myself too, that I can take on new challenges and have some degree of success with it. You know, and I guess I'm just wired that way. I am truly a workaholic. There is no doubt about it. I think it drives my partners crazy sometimes.
0: Partners in all capacities or are you talking about in the band?
1: I'm talking about in the band.
0: Yeah. Meaning yeah. you're always wanting to do what?
1: Well, I always want to go. I mean, if there's, Money on the table, dates, let's go get it. If there's work to be done, let's go do it. And Gary, I wish I had a little more him in me because he loves to go out to the farm, decompress. I mean, he could stay out there for big chunks of times and there's nothing wrong with that. We're just wired differently. So to exist in the same band sometimes, I'm like, I don't I don't think I can sit around for five months. I got to do something. <laughs> How about write a book?
0: How long ago did the book um, start to be a seed in you?
1: I think years ago, because I kept I, I keep journals. You know, I like keep notes of things so I can remember them. And I and I started keeping notes when Rascal Flatts did our first radio tour, literally that long ago, because I wanted to remember certain things and certain aspects of what we were doing. And I always thought someday we may have a chance to write a book out into the future, sometime when this all comes to whatever close it's gonna it's gonna look like. And so. I started keeping notes and the more that I did the more I started to reflect on my life just myself and um, and really reflect on all of the things that transpired to get me here to eventually meet Joe Don one day and then Gary come to town and us do what we have done and it started to I started to look at it and go maybe there's some people that can like be inspired by some of the crap that I went through right. And maybe they can find their own hope to forge ahead, and to get up, dust themselves off, keep moving forward. Because, you know, a lot of times when we see our favorite entertainers, actors, musicians, whatever they are, you see the culmination of a lot of stuff and a lot of hard work that got them, them to that point. You didn't just end up on American Idol one day by accident. You went through a lot of things to get you there. I didn't end up in Rascal Flats. I went through a lot of crap and a lot of hard stuff to get me there. And I think people deal with the same things you and I have dealt with. And they deal with the same adversity, the same tough times. And sometimes you want to quit. I mean, there were many times that I wanted to throw the towel in and move back home and just forget the silly dream of music career. And I didn't. I found some ounce of hope here and there, some friend or some text or some something that would happen just in time before I would give up to help keep me going.
0: The the name of the book, let me shout the book out here. Everybody knows you, but uh, Jay DeMarcus of Rascal Flats. It's called Shotgun Angels, My Story of Broken Roads and Unshakable Hope. And it's funny you mention all the crap that you go through because it, in the first book that I wrote, I had to kind of relive some of that stuff, which I just Mm -hmm. kept compressed for so long, just pushed it down inside. And it was tough to not just acknowledge it, but to kind of kind of dredge it all back up and relive it to, to be in my form of accurate about it. Yeah. No. Did you go through that at all?
1: I went. Th- I joked the other day that I had a bottle of vodka sitting right by the laptop because I'd have to shut it and take a break sometimes. And when the stuff comes boiling back up to the surface, and you do relive it, if you're an emotional person at all, you feel those emotions all over again, and how you felt when you were living through that. And that was one of the things that I didn't expect that kind of caught me off guard a little bit that I would actually go back into it so deeply. But I definitely did. And, and there were times that I just, i had to take a break from it. I, I stepped away and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that still affects me as strongly today as it did, you know, 25, 30 years ago.
0: It's wild to me as I was reading. Um, I didn't get a chance to finish it. And I've Mike D read the whole thing and he pulled out some parts for me to read. Um, the, 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 how you guys got together is very interesting to me. I think we'll start there. And then I want to go back to the Christian band and the scholarship. There's, yeah. There's a lot. Again, stuff that, and I felt like we've known each other at least semi-socially for a while. I had no idea a, yeah. lot, a lot of this stuff, which is interesting just on the music side of things. And so we'll go to back to the beginning of the flats yeah, or Rascal Flats, mm-hmm. not the Rascal Flats. So for everybody listening right now, <laughs> right. don't call them the Rascal Flats, <laughs> dear God. Uh, so so, so um, we're going we're gonna to move past college. We're going to back to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. And you're in town and you have a cousin that you guys weren't super close
1: we were growing up,
0: but, but we lost but you'd, touch. you lost yeah. touch, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, which is Gary? Yeah. And Gary had been winning some karaoke
1: competitions. Yeah. So I kept hearing grumblings back home when I would go back for the holidays that, "Hey, you know your cousin Gary? He's been singing a little bit." And I'd be like, "Really? <laughs> That's neat." Um. And 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 it wasn't that I was being mean about it, but I was following my own path, and I had the Christian band, and. Then somebody told me that he was talking to a producer in L.A. about doing an R&B thing and that he and Jamie Foxx had spent some time together. My uncle had actually told me that. And I was like, he knows Jamie Foxx? That's kind of (laughs) cool. And it it was lost on me that, again, he was talking about singing and doing a pop thing. And then my mom called me one day. And she goes, now your cousin Gary's going to call you. And You need to listen to him sing. He's been winning some contests up here. He's been singing. In Ohio. In Ohio. In Ohio, right. Yeah. And you need to listen to him sing. I was like, Mom, are you kidding me? The last thing I want to do is tell some family member who I'm not really that close to anymore, you shouldn't try this. And she said, well, I've talked to, she called Judy, Gary's mother, Jude babe. They were closer than sisters. They still are. She said, well, listen, I've already told Jude, babe, that you're going to listen to him, so you just need to let him come over there when he's down there and sing for you. Well, he was on his way to vacation in Florida, and he stopped by my apartment in Brentwood, and I sat down, and I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, the first song he sang was One Last Cry by Brian McKnight, and I knew it well enough on the piano to kind of hack through it, and he just stopped me in my tracks. I mean, when he opens his voice, and you hear that come out of him, it's Otherworldly. I mean, I describe it in the book as all of these ingredients of gospel and R and B and country rolled up into one. I'd never heard anything quite like it before, and it had an immediate identifiable personality to it that was just shocking to me. And we kept talking over the next several weeks, several months, and I said, "You know, you got to move to town." it's never going to find you in Columbus. And he he was struggling because he had a great job. He had debt. He had bills. He'd already forged a life for himself. And he called me one day and he said, that's it. I'm coming to town. I can't do this anymore. And if I don't do it, I'm afraid I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And he lived on my couch. I had a one bedroom apartment and he lived on my couch and we played everywhere we could. And when people would hear him, Uh, the reaction was just undeniable. You could see it in their faces. They were like, oh, my God, this guy is up there singing Merle Haggard but singing like R&B licks in it. And now if you turn on country radio, you hear a whole host of singers that were touched by him and influenced by him. And uh, that's a testament to what his gift was and what he was able to bring to this town and and build upon.
0: So you guys are playing shows at Printer's Alley, uh, a couple nights a week, a few nights a week.
1: Yeah. And doesn't even exist anymore, the place we played Where at. was it? It was a fiddle and steel guitar bar. I think it's a boutique hotel now.
0: So you go and you say, hey, Gary, we're going to get a gig, just the two of us. And how do you get that gig? Do you go up and just say, hey, guy,
1: here's the tape. What, what's that? I'll tell you. So the guy playing up on stage, we'd go in and hear him sing, and he would let us sit in and do a song. The owner was in there one night. Allison was her name. And Greg Perkins, they owned it together. She walked over and she said, would well, you guys want to do a night here? And Gary said, I don't even live here full time. I'm just <laughs> visiting on the weekends. She said, if you guys will do a couple of nights here a week, I'll fire him and give you his gig.
0: The guy that you were singing a the song. Guy replaced, us, the guy that was letting The guy that helped you.
1: <laughs> that's how cutthroat Nashville is, <laughs> yeah, right? you know. And and we so we left and we talked about it. And I said, do you, do you want to do this? And then that—that's I think that's around the time he called me and said, I'm moving to town. Let's take that gig and see, see what happens. And it was the two of us sitting beside a cigarette machine. I had my keyboard, and he had a mic. Well, I had two mics. And we sometimes there were two people in there. Sometimes there were 20. Sometimes there were 40. But slowly but surely, we, we started to build a following that would come in and see us. And then the owners came to us and said, we're thinking about buying the other side of this building knocking down the wall that separates the two, putting a stage together. Would you put a band together? And I knew a bunch of guys from various bands that I was sitting in with. And Gary and I were friends with a circle of buddies that were great musicians and had been playing in different places with them. So we put a band together.
0: So you're playing with Shelly Wright Mm -hmm. at this time too, right? Like as your main gig, you're playing with Shelly Wright. You're playing keys. Yeah, I I was her band leader. Okay, so you're running the band, you're playing keys, Mm -hmm. and you had hired a guitarist, which was Jodon. Yeah. And
1: so when you're putting the band together, is that when you bring Jodon in? No, he didn't start playing with us right away. A guy named Shane Sutton played with us, fantastic player, fantastic singer, and we were playing down there for probably several months, and then I get a call one night, and Shane says, man, I can't get out of bed. I've got the flu, I've got a fever, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but I can't make it tonight. It was on a Monday night, and I thought, oh, no, what are we going to do? I know who can play this. I know who can do it. I'm going to call Joe Don. I called him up. I said, hey, what are you doing tonight? He's like, nothing. I'm just sitting around. I said, let's, let's, uh, let's play tonight. You want, to, you want to sit in with us? I said, I've been telling you about my cousin anyway. I want you to, I want you to hear him and, and meet him in real life. And I'd been telling you know Gary about Joe Don and how talented he was. So we pull up at the club and Jodon's sitting his guitar amp up and he's up there tuning up. Gary looks at me, he goes, Who is that? I said, Well, man, I didn't want to tell you this, but Shane's sick. And he goes, Are you kidding me? This guy isn't gonna know a thing that we do. We gotta play till 3 a.m. And if this sucks, I'm out of here. You can have this by yourself. And I was like, Gary, please, like, just give him a shot. He would barely even speak to Jodon. It was so funny. He was so frustrated. And I understand. See, Gary was getting up at 4:30 a.m. to throw papers, so we'd finish in the club at two. He slept right to work, yeah, really, and he'd go right, right to work throwing papers. so I understood his frustration. But man, we got up there together, and the first song, I think we played it on one of your shows. The first song we ever played together was "Church on the Cumberland Road" by Shenandoah. and we hit that first course, man, and I don't know what happened, but it was just we all knew immediately we looked at each other like, that is good, and we've got to have more of that.
0: So Shane, the original guitar player, is the name right? He basically got Wally Pipped. <laughs> and Wally Pipp played first place for the Yankees forever and Wally yeah. Pipp got hurt. Nothing he didn't do anything wrong. I know. But he got hurt and uh here comes Lou Gehrig who's gonna fill in and then here it's now the, the Lou Gehrig world. I know. What does Shane say about that?
1: Shane Shane's still a buddy of ours. We still see him out playing with different artists and playing guitar, but he you know, he obviously gives us massive amounts of crap for us firing him basically and never i had to call him and tell him he couldn't come back and that was really awkward i was like i think we're gonna go ahead and stick with joe don but i think anybody that heard us sing together and he would definitely tell you this too got that there was a special uh chemistry in a blend that we had that was not common
0: what was happening in Nashville at that time, though? You got you three or now you go, OK, this might be something. But what was like the environment like? Because you guys cut through so hard because you were so different. Mm-hmm. Now you kind of created where everyone else has gone. So it doesn't seem like you're that different. You guys have opened these roads up for a lot of artists nowadays. At the time, who was popping around town where you're where they're like, mm, you know what? You're not like them. We don't know if this can be a thing quite yet.
1: Yeah, you know, Nashville was was pretty safe back then. I mean, there were glimpses of pop in music. I mean, you had your South 65s and your, uh, I forget, um, Marshall Dillon was around. But they were definitely trying to be five guys that danced and were bringing, trying to bring the boy band vibe over to country music. And it really wasn't resonating because they didn't play instruments. It was It felt... No offense to those guys that were trying to make a living and do something, but it felt contrived, honestly. And we were fans of bands that were really great harmony bands like Diamond Rio and Shenandoah at the time. And the Eagles were a huge influence on us. So that's that's really what we were trying to do was bring elements of what we loved about pop music but still great authentic harmonies and the songs, the meat on the bone of the songs with, with something to say in a different way is really what we tried to hone in on and, and make the foundation of, of what we were. We weren't even really trying to be a band. We didn't set out to do that. I wanted to produce and write and help Gary get a record deal so that I could try to be a record producer and, and be successful in, in that way. I'd already done the artist thing, and we know how that turned out by the book, but it, it sort of had no aspirations to do another artist thing. I wanted to kind of forge a different career, but the more we had a following and the more we sang together, it just felt like it was evolving into that.
0: Let's rewind. Um, I grew up Pentecostal for a while. My grandmother was Pentecostal. You did? Yeah. Um, Scary, isn't it? You know, it's for me... <laughs> That when they would speak in tongues, it scared the crap out of me. I know, me too. Yeah, and so I remember going, and my grandmother who adopted me for a long time, um, and she would speak in tongues in church, and it never became something that I was just like, oh, this is. Part. I was always scared by it. Yeah. Um. I, I, this that that there was so much passion and love in a Pentecostal church. No doubt. The most, by the way, of all of you know my time of of you know, uh, being really in the fabric of church. That was, that was the closest I'd ever seen church. So as much as I'm like, that scared me. It was also, I'd never seen a close knit group like the Pentecostal church.
1: Um, what was your experience? Because I know that's that was a big part of your life. Much the same. Uh, I was scared to death. They always told you, bring your friends to church. And I'd say to my mom, why would I ever Scare em. want my friends to see what lunatics you guys act like <laughs> when you run around and speak in tongues and jump all over the pews and everything? And and I was never, And you know, this is the truth, though. I have to say it. I was never... Very, very comfortable in that environment because it wasn't the way that I believed that I needed to express myself and my beliefs. I was the same way, yeah. And it would, and it always troubled me a little bit, but I admired the fact that people were so dedicated to it, and you're absolutely right. There was so much love, so much—I've um, always felt like I was surrounded by a family of people that would do anything in the world for me, even though I may not have agreed with exactly how they went about it. You know, so for me, I'm glad that I went through that because it laid a really deep foundation to for the, gr- the groundwork for my faith later on in life. And I had to really figure out what I believed and why I believed it, because I knew I didn't believe a bunch of that stuff that I was exposed to. And I'm not saying that it wasn't real. It was real for them, whatever that was. But I had to deconstruct my belief system and figure out why I believed what I believed and not just because I was indoctrinated with it when I was a kid.
0: And so you start to play music, but you're playing Christian music mm-hmm. now. Why? Why Christian music?
1: Well, I wasn't allowed to listen to quote unquote secular music when I was a kid. I, you know, I couldn't listen to Kiss and AC/DC until and later on in life. Like a lot of the kids were listening to that, so I I went turned to bands like Petra and Mylon LeFevre and Whiteheart and bands that were rock, but we're using a positive Christ-centered message. Those were my influences. And so going to church and believing in God myself and believing in Christ myself, I started to write a lot of that kind of music. And the more I wrote, the more I really got into that and felt like maybe that was what I was supposed to do. And when I got to college and I was working at the studio there on, on the campus, I was doing all kinds of demos and having my roommate, Neil, sing the demos. And I was mailing them to publishers to try to get a songwriting deal. And I got a call from Benson Records one day, Don Cook at Benson Records, not the country Don Cook, the K-O-C-H. And he, he said, I love your band. We'd like to bring you to town to talk about doing a record on you. And I, of course, had to tell him we're not a band. <laughs> I was just trying to get a pub deal. but So as you're uh, deciding where to go to school,
0: the, the these these folks come to you and say if you'll go to school here we'll pay we'll actually pay away your debt we'll mm-hmm. pay your carpet like they say hey we're gonna write you a check what three thousand dollars what it was yeah something
1: like that we're gonna yeah. pay if you come to school here and perform with is. The band that was at school? Yeah, um, so this this guy was known for handpicking the f- best musicians at the school and putting together a recruiting ensemble. So this this particular group of kids, it'd be four singers, four musicians, a couple of other road crew and things, and they we traveled on a, on a tour bus. And um, we went around to youth camps, convent- youth conventions. We went around to churches. We went around to camp meetings. In, during Pentecostal church, I know you know what a camp meeting is, but we would sing and then we would talk about the school. And so we'd try to recruit kids to come to the school. We'd go overseas. I had the opportunity to see a whole bunch of the world at a very young age playing with that group. But as long as you played in that group, you could keep your scholarship, you could keep going to school. And that's kind of what my job was. So a lot of these kids that would go home for the summer, that wasn't me. I toured my all of my summers in school. And Neil and I were dear friends. We became dear friends, and, and lo and behold, we ended up in East to West together.
0: And here is uh, the number one song from East to West Prince of Peace. Well, down, How long has you heard this?
1: Oh, my Lord. Probably years. Yeah? Probably,
0: Probably years. Now, as I was doing my research about East to West, I look like there were more than one lead singer. We both we both okay. shared leads. So you, you both yeah. were the, doing the lead. Mm-hmm. What's that sort of dynamic when you have dual lead
1: singers? Well... Uh, it worked well for us because i played bass and keys too so, and and there's no doubt neil did the lion's share of the lead vocals and i would take a verse here or there and you know and and that sort of thing and and maybe sing one song on the albums i would sing so it worked really really well because i cared You know, I was such a musician and and muso head that I wanted to like play everything I could and play a lot of it on the record. And so I was content to let Neil kind of shine and do his own thing. And he was a fantastic singer, but it it worked well for us. Here is Welcome to the Next Level (laughs) from East to West. (laughs) When you can in, hear those uh, Mr. Mr. and Go West influences, can't you? You, you definitely can hear yeah. that era. Yeah.
0: When you're uh, in a Christian band, do you get girls? Uh, yes, but
1: they've got to be Christians. No, I, I,
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know, like, do you get girls? Like, are they just... Is, <laughs> Uh, he, are they like hey band guys we'd like to <laughs>
1: have fellowship
0: i mean is, how, let's go to bible
1: study yeah like yeah no it's definitely not like it is in country music or pop for sure but you, you, there are girls that are hanging around you yeah. know there are
0: it, it, it's funny that you know you're you're dual lead singing and you, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a funny question and you're still going you know i'm i'm content with playing because i think that's a big part of why Again, from the outside looking in, why Flats has been able to be so wonderful is
1: that you can sing, but you're actually okay not being the lead. I, when I stand next to somebody that sings like Gary does every night, it's like, what's the point? I love to sing, and I but I love singing harmony with him because I feel like we have something unique. And he's... You know, it's like anything he sings is better, 10 times better than anything I would come up with. And that's okay. I think one of our strengths is we realize what gifts and strengths we all three individually bring to the table and we try to lean on those with each other. And uh, you're right, I am okay because I get to sing beside one of the greatest vocalists I've ever had the privilege of being around every night, and that's a treat.
0: You know, for me... I would listen to the Goo Goo Dolls, and they had this bassist. And he sings like one or two cuts every record. And mm-hmm. I would get so annoyed. Like, stop yeah. trying to be, let, let Johnny Resnick be the lead singer. You yeah. know, I would get, yeah. It's rare that there's a band. Um, I'll give you a couple examples, but they do different things. Linkin Park had two singers. Mm-hmm. They had. Uh, Mike Shinoda, and they had... Um, Chester Bennington. Chester Bennington. Chester would be the vocalist, the straight, and, and Shinoda would do like the rapping, Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. They had Steven and Ed, and Steven was the big singer, and Ed was kind of the rappy guy, which Steven got kicked out of the band for a whole thing.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Did you guys ever talk about that in flats, where like you would do
1: view songs I didn't want to be that annoying guy it's like oh okay we know the bass player sings too but I will tell you when we played the clubs you know we'd have to play five hours a night so we passed around the lead vocals a lot more often back then because it's a lot to ask Gary to sing five hours a night in, in in smoky bar rooms back then you could still smoke in the bar rooms and so we did sing a lot more but I saw the value of having that lead vocalist established and the sound that he had was so identifiable and so great that it wouldn't it just wasn't that important to me to have a song on the record where I sang now Joe Don and I have sung verses here and there on some songs but I just don't think it's that important to either one of us to like oh look at me I can sing a lead vocal too I love bands that have multiple lead singers by the way i mean the, the eagles, eagles right. i mean lady Annabellum. i love right. that they all sing i love that you know we can go back to chicago peter satara and bill champlin and you know terry kath when he was still alive so there is a merit in that i think and we could certainly sing a song but it's just never been that important to us
0: today's technology makes it a lot easier for a lot of things, because you're connected. Your cell phone is connected to your tablet, your tablet's connected to your smart TV, and they're all connected to your Wi-Fi, but it may take only one week link and all those connections for a criminal to get in. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security. While LifeLock uses proprietary technology to detect possible threats to your identity, like your info for sale on the dark web, Norton Security helps protect up to five of your devices from online threats like ransomware, And if there's a problem, their dedicated agents will work to fix it. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or cybercrime or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock with Norton gives you more protection for today's connected world. Join now. Get 10% off your first year. Head to LifeLock.com. Enter the promo code BONES. That's promo code BONES for 10% off your first year. LifeLock.com promo code BONES. So how'd you get ready today? Did you shower, brush your teeth, wash your face, style your hair? I'm asking because it's a proud member of Dollar Shave Club. I'm here to tell you that no matter what you do to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. You want a clean mouth and fresh breath, right? The intense peppermint flavor of Dollar Shave Club's toothpaste will wake you up and last a surprisingly long time. Their hydrating body cleanser smells awesome. Skin feels you right after you shower. But I hope showering and brushing your teeth are just part of how you get ready. But no matter how you do... Dollar Shave Club has everything that you need, and I haven't even mentioned their razors and shave butter that everybody knows them for, including myself. Right now, you can get a Dollar Shave Club starter set for just $5 each. They got a shower set, a toothpaste, a toothbrush set, all their famous shave butter, the razor, any of those sets, just 5 bucks, And it's the best way to try out their amazing products. It's a great gift. After your starter set products ship at a regular price, right? Get yours today, dollarshaveclub.com slash bones, dollarshaveclub.com slash bones. You know, for me, and I related with the first part of your book as it starts, because I've just, I've been at the right place a few times, but I've been at that place when it's the wrong place many, many, many times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And where you just sit there and go, man, I just can't wait for my shot. One day, one day, one day. And you know, and all of a sudden- I'll give you an example, um, because I think your book starts with a, with a really great story about just life in general. Um, just a recent example. I've been working on Idol now as a mentor. You know, I'm have you know i on every episode, have bit parts, but that's Luke and Katie and Lionel's show and Ryan's show. Yeah. And I come on, and I'm on 10, 15 minutes for two hours, which is great, a great look for me. But Ryan got sick, and they're like, uh, it's 15 minutes before the show starts. We need somebody to host the show. Bob, we need you to host American Idol. And I'm like, great! Like for 15 years, I've been just waiting for this shot, right? Waiting, waiting, yeah, waiting. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you read the news the next day, and it's like, wow, this guy lucked out. He got. It's like, wait, I've been in the wrong place so many times, <laughs> yeah. like ten thousand times, nothing's happened. And I find, <laughs> and then, but because of that, that one look I got where Ryan got sick, now a lot of these doors have opened up because I got a stage, and I was able to do relatively well. Yeah. And and your book starts with uh, the dude gets, it's like a dude gets sick,
1: snowstorm.
0: Yes. And it, he's stuck in a snowstorm. Yeah. And you can't, and he can't get there. So you you sing.
1: Yeah. The owner of the, uh, the venue said, I've got a house full of people and no artist. What are we going to do? Can somebody go out and like do a few praise and worship songs and explain our situation? And I said, I got a keyboard. Like I can go out and sing some songs and you know, miraculously enough, they stayed, and we ended up doing about an hour, you know. And it was one of the first legitimate times I thought, well, there's opportunity meeting preparedness. Like I had practiced my whole entire life for that one moment, really. And I was a nervous wreck, but you know how those things go. You feel confident in your ability and your skill set enough to go. I'm a nervous wreck, but I'm going to overcome and suppress these nerves so I can go to go out there and do what I feel like I'm meant to do. And I even say that in the book. There was a moment where everything slowed down. I took a deep breath and I was like, "Yeah, I'm in my element. This is what I'm supposed to be doing."
0: Isn't that crazy? I felt the same way. It was like, "What? I have to go on in 15 minutes?" They're like, "Yeah, no time for a rehearsal." Yeah. And I'm, but about a third of the way through the show, I went, "Oh." Like, yeah, this is a big deal, but this is what I've been waiting to do. Like, I've worked to get here, and my skill set is that. to yeah. Good on the prompter, good with people. I know I know Luke and Lionel really well. I know Katie a little bit, so I can talk with them.
1: And Well, forget the prompter. You're good on your feet, too, more oh, importantly. the ba- Yes. You know, the prompter could go dead, and I'm right. quite sure you could carry the whole show by yourself. And that, people, it amazes me, too, because I've, I've done a little bit of that. I've done some acting. I've done a little bit of podcasting and hosting some things here and there, and I co-host the Tennessee Miss Tennessee pageant with my wife for the past 12 years, and people don't appreciate how hard it is to get up in front of a crowd, especially live television, and have to stretch and fill in blank spaces while people are screaming into your ears <laughs> what's coming next right. and what you need to talk about next, and I have to say, even to this day, you and I don't spend a lot of time visiting with one another, but you're one of the best at it I've ever seen. Oh, and 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 I, you know, the future is only going to get brighter for you, man. I've You're been, scratching the surface. I'm getting older, though. Well, so am I. I I'm older than you. You know,
0: your wife though. Is, uh, <laughs> I like your wife a lot. She's she's, all, she's always been super kind to me. She's awesome. She she hasn't come through yet with finding me a girlfriend. Every time I see her, she's like, I'm going to set you up. <laughs>
1: Never, not once. Well, you know, you need to um, start a Christian band. I apparently, I don't need to start any more bands. I don't need to. Get a girl pregnant, then you get kicked out of that said Christian band. All
0: right, so, okay, <laughs> that was the first story that I, for, and for me, when I wrote my first book, I just wonder what they were going to run with. Yeah. Like, cause you send it out to people.
1: And it's clickbait.
0: And you go, what clickbait will they create?
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. yours was, it said, you got a girl pregnant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so at the Gap. But you didn't get her pregnant at the Gap. You met her at the Gap. <laughs> Although that would have been a great... Yes, that's the clickbait. Jay Got gets a girl
1: pregnant at the Gap. Inner Gap.
0: Yeah, Inner Gap. <laughs> well, both. Yeah, yeah.
1: that would have been truer. That would have been truer. There's uh, <laughs> so many places that could go. Uh, yeah, that was a... You know, people people have said to me, it's hard to believe that you had sex one time. And, it, and it, there's no reason to make that story up. I, I, it could just as easily say we had sex 100 times and I ended up getting pregnant with the same result. But it, it is the truth. It was one time, condom broke, my life turned around in one instant. And everybody that had anything to do with me in my career at that point in my life Um, most of the people, there were some great friends that stood by me and supported me and loved me no matter what. But most of the people, some of whom had jobs because of my career, scattered. I got dropped by my record label, management, booking agency, it all just went away. And I say this, I believe all too often people that call themselves Christians kill their wounded instead of nursing them back to health and making sure that they're okay. And that's what pisses me off so much about organized religion it's so judgmental and it's so easy to cast a stone at somebody when they've got a million problems of their own and they battle millions of demons themselves and that's what i wanted to write the book for is to say there's a different side to being a believer and being a believer doesn't mean that you're perfect it's actually quite the opposite it's admitting that we're all flawed human beings that need help I don't believe any of us are meant to live through this life alone and handle all of this crap by ourselves.
0: You know, it's almost that there's strength and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing that you're saying right there. Like we think that the right thing is to be the right, whatever right means. By the way, it was right, um, but right, the, yeah, <laughs> like the, right. right. So, you, so you only had sex on it one time. Condom mm-hmm. broke. Did you know immediately the condom broke? I knew. It, I knew it broke. Me, you know. We're getting down in the weeds here. But yeah, we are. Did, we did, are you like, yeah. Did, did you hear the pop? The, no. Okay. Well,
1: I, I I realized after we'd finished, and I freaked out so badly, she, she left. She didn't want it, anything to do with me. She was like, you're freaking me out. This is so weird. It's not like that. these things don't happen. It's going to be okay. I said, you don't understand. I was really freaking out. Because I'd made a commitment to myself and, to, and the... I was trying to do it the right way I was going to wait till I was married have have sex on the wedding night do the whole thing that you're taught to do when you're a bible believing Christian and I want that was important to me and I had failed in that but and, wait,
0: this wasn't your first time to have sex ever though no was okay no okay
1: but during while I was in the Christian band though I definitely lived what I was trying to stand for you know but when you're in the Christian band like like would you have sex with girls mm mm no, good for you. I did before. I mean, when I was in college, I, I went through a phase where I lost my mind. But when I when I was in the Christian band, I was very good about. And I dated a girl that was in a that was in a, in a Christian artist too. So it was easy for us to help keep each other in check and make sure we didn't cross those lines that we we couldn't, you know, we wanted to. No, you me wrong.
0: But that's good <laughs> though because I'm a big believer. And if you surround yourself with the best people, then you make the best decisions. Yeah. So if you have her with you. It doesn't have to be this one even instance. Right. But if if she's a good influence on you, it makes you make good decisions. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first-wear comfort. Little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tecova's store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there.
0: Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room.
1: Uh, you go to college? You say you lose your mind in college a little bit? Yeah, I definitely was one of those kids that had been sheltered a little bit. And I always, and you know, I tell the story about my mom and how she struggled as a single parent. I always tried to keep my nose clean as a, as a teenager and as a kid growing up because I saw what my mom was doing to make sacrifices to make sure our life was good. And so... I didn't do a whole lot of partying in high school. I didn't, you know, I I kept my nose pretty clean. I did have sex when I was 17 with my girlfriend, but I felt really guilty about it and never did it again. But then I got to college and I was around a whole group of like-minded people, liked to party a little bit, started hanging out with some, you know, pastor's girls or when they they get out of the nest, they like to get out and, uh, you know, test that newfound freedom. And there were moments that I'm not proud of. I went through a lot of, you know, um, uh, what are, what's the word I'm looking for? Debauchery in college.
0: I think we should shout out your mom real quick. Cause you do mention that single mom worked two jobs and to put you in a Christian private school. I know like you're broke and she's working to put you in school, Yeah, which showed what she valued for you, her kid. And I mean, that's a, to not even just to put clothes on you, but also make sure you get into a Christian school.
1: I know. It, it was remarkable now when I look back on it. And, you know, not until later on in life did she tell me how much money she would have left in her wallet or how much food we would really have in the pantry that she was going, How in the world am I going to make this last through the weekend, living paycheck to paycheck? Somehow, some way, it all came together. And she would, she told me stories that is unbelievable about, boxes of groceries showing up on our front porch. And she would not know where they'd come from. Things like that that I had no knowledge of until much later on in life, you know.
0: It's wild you say that because for me growing up, we the, we the I finally figured out who it was. But it was the church. They mm-hmm. would drop off Christmas presents and food. Wow. And the PTA because, yeah. you know, my mom or my grandmother, w- when she was just raising me and my little sister, they would know. Yeah. And they would drop it off and we would get to eat. Or I remember once for Christmas, I got a color by number paint set. It was the only gift I got the whole year. A color by number paint set. And I painted, it was the stupidest duck, but it was the best duck ever painted. Like it was my Christmas gift and the church brought it and left it at the door with a bow on it and didn't say who it was. we, We found out it was the church. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny you say that because. I love
1: those stories though, man.
0: And I think yeah. those have lasted with me to how I try to treat people too. I don't know if it has for you, like if that's left an impression with you.
1: Definitely. I, it definitely makes me think about the way that I treat people, but it also, I think, has allowed me to live in the moments and the life that I've been able to live and appreciate it to a deeper level too, maybe than some others would, because... I wake up every day, and this is no joke, thanking God for the chance to do what we've been able to do for nearly 20 years now, which is almost unheard of in this day and age. But I really don't take it for granted because I feel so blessed far beyond what I ever imagined I would have been. And, it, and it's not lost on me how hard it is to make it in the music industry. You see it all the time, how many people come to this town every single day hoping for a career in the music business. And I'm just so grateful to be able to look back on all I have been through, but to know that all of that was for a very necessary reason, and now on the other side of it, I can really look at it and go, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, so much.
0: Hmm. You talk about being twenty years in, twenty years, and to, to to maintain a level of success for that long. But I look back at, at, at like your first. Let me, let me play your first single here. For <laughs> let's let's go back. Let's go. Let's go. Uh-huh. Let's do. I have the whole thing here. Let's do uh, these days. Before the video was shot, as you write, mm-hmm. do you that are well. You thought you had a heart attack.
1: Yeah, I was dealing with panic attacks pretty badly in my mid to late 20s, and I would have them periodically, but this one was a really bad one. And I thought I was having a heart attack, so I drove myself to St. Thomas. And I spent most of the night there.
0: But this is also right before the video shoot. Right before the 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 video shoot. Yeah, I called
1: our manager and said, I don't think, I think we, and he was like, yeah, it's a bigger deal than what you think. To just move a whole entire video shoot, and I said, "Well, I'm exhausted. I've been at the hospital all night. They've been running blood tests, and I don't think I can make it." And he goes, "Come in as late as you can, but please do your best to be there because we 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 can't move these times." And I showed up and sat down beside Allison in the makeup chair, and that, by the way, is your wife. Yes.
0: Now, as the book says, she was engaged. And listen, I'm gonna pressure you a little bit about this. Because you sit down in a makeup chair as you go and you're tired and you've had a heart attack slash panic attack the night before, first video, Mm -hmm. you sit down, they're gonna make you pretty, and there she is. Yeah. And what do you say?
1: I said, Hey, how are you doing? She's like, fine. Nothing back, like playing tennis by yourself. I'm like, Hmm.
0: Now she doesn't have a ring on. No, they made her take take it it, off. They had her take it off in the video.
1: That's exactly right. So I'm like, I'll try again. Where are you from? Jackson, Tennessee. Again, playing tennis by yourself. <laughs> Nothing, no lob back. Where are you from? Oh, Columbus, Ohio. I'm glad you asked. You know, <laughs> I'm just sitting there like working so hard. And I'm like, so have have you heard the song before? And she's like, I don't really listen to country music. I think I heard one of your songs like called Waiting for Midnight. Like, well, actually, it's praying for daylight. <laughs> <laughs> really big fan, I can tell. So uh, she was she was not cold, but standoffish, you know, and now, looking back, I understand why. But as the day went on and the longer the weights were in between each setup and each take, we started to talk and I really, really enjoyed her company.
0: But Stan, it, hold on, let me stop you for a second. It was standoffish because
1: she was engaged. Right, right. Right. You just didn't know that. I did not know that. Right. In my defense, I did not know that.
0: And so you guys are shooting the video and you're getting to know each other and you're, you're, you're feeling a vibe.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, all I know is I like being around her. And, and she was hot. She was hot. Right. I mean, she was really hot. Oh, she was still just, hot. Yeah. You know, um, and so I would go find her. I would seek her out, and I'd sit down beside of her, and she was mildly annoyed by me, I could tell, but, you know, I'm kind of quick on my feet and funny and yeah. make people laugh, and I started to make her laugh some. And was she not impressed by the music thing? She could could have cared less. Absolutely could have Even cared less. Even though she less. was
0: hired to be in the video, you guys, here they are, Nashville sign, ba-bam, ba-boom, this is nothing
1: huh she could care less I'm, I'm telling you it was amazing and i was like anything that a younger me or any younger musician would use to you know to impress a young lady you know like hey look at me don't i look sexy when i play nothing i mean nothing nothing <laughs> and so at the end of the night we're we're talking i'm on a truck bed with her i never on a tailgate and i'm sitting there and i'm like i hate this because like after we wrap i'm never gonna get to see you again this is this sucks. It's been really great talking to you. And she said, well, actually, I'm I'm engaged. And I know that you didn't know that because they made me take my ring off. But I'm getting married in a, about a month or so, a couple of months, whatever it was. Four months, I believe you say. Yeah. yeah ish. Might have been. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I was just like, huh, this is terrible. But she's been really, really nice to me tonight. And she's talked to me and we've shared. And she finally goes, can I go on your bus and use the restroom before I leave so I don't have to use the porta potty And I was like, absolutely, I'll take you up. So while she's in using the restroom, I pull out a piece of paper and write my phone number down and I handed it to her and I said, listen, I know you're going to ask for this anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and give this to you. (laughs) Just like that too, you know, really cheesy. And she takes it and she goes, my daddy raised me never to call boys, but if you want to get in touch with me, this is my number. And I just thought, man, who's going to give their number to somebody if there isn't a little bit of chink in the armor Armor there? So I kept calling her, she never called me back, honestly. And I ran into her at the old Green Hills Grill, and I ran into her again at another restaurant. I forget where we were that time.
0: Was she ever with her fiancé?
1: She was never with him. She was with her mom and her grandmother and a, and a friend another time. And I ran into her and I the second time, and I called her, and I said, this is the last time I'll call, I promise. But if that isn't a sign that we shouldn't at least like go to lunch, I don't know what it is. So let's just go to lunch. And we went to lunch, and honest to God, we sat there for five and a half hours. We met at noon. We, she left there at 530. And it, it was really like I'd known her my entire life. Honestly, it was so easy and so fun and natural and... You know, now we're old and sick of each other. But at the time, it was. I'm kidding.
0: Have you thought that she never had a fiance and this whole thing was a.
1: No, no, I know him. I know, I know, I know. I know know you do. Yeah. So, uh, you, the guys, then she has to
0: like break it off, huh?
1: Well, it was, you know. I think that I was more the straw that broke the camel's back. It was headed that way anyway. And she she did tell me, she said, I need to sort my life out. I've had fun with you, and I definitely love being around you, but I've got to make some big decisions and decide what I'm doing with my life here. And so she cut it, shut it down with me for a long time. And one day I got a call from her saying that she had told her dad she couldn't get married. And we went to dinner and were never apart after that. And here we are, 15 years tomorrow. Is that right? Later. Ah, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. What Thanks. are you going to do on
0: your big anniversary? Well, we got to leave. What rich people <laughs> do on their anniversaries?
1: I don't know. Well, let's find someone and ask them. <laughs> Stop. You know how much kids cost? And you've seen my wife. You know how much money she spends? I need a gig on Idol or something. Can you get me a, another judge spot? Stop it. You know, I remember
0: watching, because I was over in Pop whenever you guys crossed over. Yeah. Um, so I was... I, I grew up in Arkansas, so I was a diehard country fan. But when I went to pop, I kind of checked out a bit because I was just consumed by what I was doing with my work. Yeah. And you guys, uh, what hurts the most was a Big Song Country and then started to creep into my world a bit, right? And so I remember watching you guys on Yes, Dear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was, uh, that was uh, up for a daytime Emmy, wasn't it? Yeah. Our performance on there?
0: Listen, and I remember thinking, oh, I like these guys because, I mean, I can remember it vividly. Yeah. You know, it, yes, Dear was a, uh, a sitcom, and uh, they... You guys like showed up and they were trying to get into your show. Yeah. And then you stole out. our limo. Yeah. And they got yeah, and you show, and you guys, but then you're all right. Like, riding together in the back <laughs> of the car. That that's funny. That's, I think my first like real moment of knowing who you guys' faces were.
1: I'm still dear friends with Liza Snyder from that show. We, we forged a really great friendship from that show. And, and I that's a favorite memory of mine. That was a fun shoot. It was about three days.
0: Well, so you're making it over in country, but it's got to be a whole different world once all of uh, like, like, oh, yeah, boulders are falling instead of
1: it was weird, man, when when uh, what hurts the most was number one on um top 40 radio. It was a moment that I'll never forget because we started getting calls to then go to, which was unheard of back then. It was a different time, not a lot of, like now you'll see a lot of country acts like Dan and Shay and Florida Georgia Line and folks like that. And a little big town at the AMAs and at the Grammys and things. It just wasn't that common back in, uh, you know. 15, 10, 15 years ago, and we were getting calls to do those shows, People's Choice Awards, you know, and it was like, wow, this is cool. This is beyond the scope of the CMAs, the CMTs, and the ACMs, and which we loved, but we were opened up and exposed to another whole, a whole other world, and I remember sitting on the floor of the uh, American Music Awards with Gary, and Gary's sitting next to me, and he nudged me, and he goes, would you have ever thought we'd be able to do this? sit in this room with Jay-Z, Beyoncé, Madonna, Lady Gaga, all of these people, and he said, I'm going to lay something on you you haven't thought about. I said, what? This was the year 2006. He said, we've sold more records this year than anybody in this room. And it stopped me in my tracks. And he wasn't saying it to be boastful or to like be you know braggadocious about it he was saying can you believe what we've done outside of just being in country music and it was overwhelming to me i never will forget that night and that moment that we shared during the commercial break there with just the two of us it was so cool
0: did you guys get crap for uh being a mainstream success from any of uh the 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 nashville you know hardcore country folks
1: not really, no, no. To be honest, we didn't. We had, I mean, people I felt like were, uh, you know, except for the moment there when the song was released, "Murder on Music Row," and they talked about pop coming over and infiltrating country. It was a little bit of a movement there, but most people rallied around us and got behind us, and you know, there was a there was a batch of us doing something different, and Keith Urban and and us and and Shadaisi at the time, and a few people that were putting poppier elements into the country music. And I feel like they welcomed it. And it was, you know, some of the critics, of course, derided us early on, and we got a bad rap. But most of the people in the music industry were kind of excited that there was kind of a new movement coming along, you know.
0: Bless the the Broken Road, another song that crept into my life and then mm -hmm. slammed into my life. Played it all the time on pop radio.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, you guys are a full fledged, not that you're not country, but you're a pop act at this time. Mm -hmm. Like it was just expected. When's the, I'm talking about from my side, when's the next Rascal Flat song coming out?
1: Wow. Uh, It's really cool to hear you say that because I don't think a lot of people are saying that today. (laughs) <laughs> you know i mean it was a we we had that sweet spot where you're kind of in a dell you know and you just sit there in it and soak it all up because it seems like you have a moment in time where you put a song out it resonates with people and you have your fingers crossed and you put another one out and it resonates with people and then you start to get scared that you're that you're going to be in this spot to where you're never going to be able to put another song out that resonates with anybody and it was such a magical time for us we had about 10 years there that were just phenomenal and it's a testament to the songwriters in this town too because the songs we were able to get our hands on the writers that were sitting in rooms writing for us that knew what we wanted to say how we wanted to sing it really had their fingers on the pulse of who rascal flats was i can't thank them enough
0: uh, the car Song, which people know it as The car Song. I actually mm-hmm. know it from uh, Eddie, Eddie Money. No, no, no. I going not say Eddie Money. It's, it's not Eddie Money. It's um, the original singer of Life is the Highway. Yeah, Tom Cochran. It's Tom Cochran. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, but you guys sing this for the, it, But the... This was never a single. No, it wasn't. But again, it was, it was played everywhere. I know. Yeah. And well, that
1: movie was huge, huge, huge for us. And I remember going to dinner here at the Capitol Grill with um, John Lasseter who took us out and showed us storyboards of the movie and going, I've got this movie about these cars that talk to each other. You and you saw the storyboard of cars. S- storyboards, right? yeah. And I really want you guys to do this um, montage where he's on Route 66 and he's driving and you're doing Life is a Highway and we're looking at these storyboards and he's wearing a Toy Story shirt with Woody on it. And, <laughs> and it's weird, kind of, you know. John's a sweet guy, but it's just kind of like, can we write a song no i really want you guys to remake you know life is a highway i'm like chris LeDoux did it in the 90s and kind of made it a hit again and are you sure we can't write a song he goes i really got a vision for this guys if you'll see these cars talk to each other <laughs> you know, it's like wow so we did it and one of the best decisions we we ever made first song we ever cut with dan huff by the way
0: who's been on this show and is a dear friend I don't know. I talked to Dan like three days ago. And uh, Dan, if you go back and listen to an older show, if you're listening to this right now, Dan would talk about how he would cut songs for like Paul Abdul or uh, he'd play guitar on them. Yeah. Not know she was even doing the vocals. And he'd be in the airport and go, I don't really like that
1: guitar lick. And his
0: brother would be like, that's you, idiot.
1: Yeah. I mean, the guy's so good. He, and he's so humble. It's disgusting. There's not a kinder human being on the planet. And he's played on, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know this. I'm going to tell something on Dan. He started White Hart one of the Christian bands that I was obsessed with as a kid. He was one of the founding members with his brother, David. And so I followed him early on before he was even a session player in L.A. and playing on all those hit records. There was something special about his playing, even in that band that I knew that I loved and gravitated towards. So that's another great blessing in my life, is to be able to come back around and work with somebody like Dan, have him produce our band, and be in his presence and watch him work is just something i never would have ever expected or dreamed either you know and now to be able to call somebody like him a a true friend is just phenomenal to me it blows blows my mind you know
0: this festival and concert season will be all about the boots and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring talking about men's boots women's boots um, apparel hats bags and more All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tecova's has first-wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct-to-consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah, that's what the whole store basically is, fresh leather, friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff?
1: I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there.
0: Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com.
1: T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com.
0: Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, audible.com slash the boars nest. Was there ever a point with you guys, you three, that you're like, I right, this is probably it. We're done.
1: When Lyric Street shut down in two thousand ten, um we sat around in my man room and looked at each other and we're like, Do we have anything left to say? Even I mean, it's been a great ten year run. Um We were getting ready to either quit or make a management change and a lot of things were going to change and we knew it and it was going to be tough. And we sat around and considered whether or not it wasn't time to lay Rascal Flats down. And I think after an hour or so of talking with each other, it was just like, it hurts me to think about the last time that I'll look over to my right and not see Gary beside me. When I think about that day, it makes me emotional. I don't know when that day will be, but I wasn't ready to face it. And to think about never making music with the two of them again, boy, it's something that even though we're in 20 years and we love each other like brothers, and we've certainly fought like brothers before, I love those guys with all my heart. And we've done some things that a lot of people will never see or never be able to do. And we've been in the trenches together. And we know each other in ways that our own wives don't even know us. And to think about not having that anymore... I think all of us were not ready and we were willing to stay together because we felt like we had more to say and more to do. And we still do. I don't know that it's going to come to a close anytime soon. I think we, we will all three have things we want to do individually as we get older and have opportunities to, but I don't see us ever really going away and and having an official quote unquote breakup.
0: Do you ever think about a, a sideband? <laughs>
1: I'm in one already and it's tough to be in that one sometimes in the time that it takes and the commitment level. I've thought about maybe doing side projects, well, things like what's that. What's the
0: side band that you're in? Why don't I not know this or do I know
1: this? Is it a secret? No, I mean I mean I'm in Rascal Flats oh, and the like, commitment I was like how do I not know no, the side band? No, I, I I don't have I mean I certainly love making music on any level.
0: And you're producing music by the way.
1: Yeah, well I I open up a christian label back in october so i've got artists signed there to that label that i'll be releasing records on so that my time commitment there with that that new thing in my life is pretty substantial so i'm going to try to make sure that's as successful as it can possibly be and i want to continue making music and producing for other people and i've had i've had the chance to do a lot of great things and um you know i I'm at a really great point in my life now to where I really, really enjoy everything that I'm doing right now, and I'm not just doing it because I have to, you know?
0: Has Gary ever said, hey, I think I'll do a solo record?
1: I think Gary will do a solo record someday. I don't know what it'll be. It may be a Christian record. I'm not sure what it will be, and and I think, here's the thing. I think he should do a solo record. I think that if it's in him and something he wants to do, I would support that and his aspirations and dreams 1,000%.
0: Would you have seven years ago? Or do you feel now you're at a place where you're kind of comfortable with where the band is? You hit a big, you came back, you hit a big again. You've mm-hmm. had, in the last few years, you've had uh, number ones again. Yeah. So is a part of that because of all this success and now you feel a little more like we're stationary, like we're a thing? What if he to come? you know, after Bless the Broken Road and said, guys, I want to do it. A, just, just a quick solo thing. Yeah. Like, in, yeah. like you ever see Bohemian Rhapsody with like Freddie. Oh, oh, yeah. You got to do a solo record. Yeah. That didn't happen at all with you guys?
1: It didn't happen. I, right. I, I think that all of us appreciated where we were and appreciated each other and loved each other and Gary was um extraordinarily gracious in the fact that he was in a band and, and never put us in a bad position to go, oh, I think I'm going to go off on my own here for a little bit and, and try it on my own. And, and, you know, I'm grateful to him for that. Uh, the flip side is it doesn't turn out well for a lot of people that try to leave a group yeah. situation and, and, and go out on their own. It's really tough to do. And when you've done it at a high level like we have, and all of a sudden you got to realize you're coming out of your own pocket to pay, pay for all of the luxuries that you won't have anymore because you're virtually starting over. I think it's hard for some people.
0: Well, look at you. Here you are with a book.
1: Yeah i all grown up.
0: Has the book tour been a grind for you?
1: It has been, but it's been fun. I mean, I, I've enjoyed being able to talk about my life and being able to celebrate my mother and, and tell my story from a different side. You know, I'm sure um, maybe you deal with some of this too, but I've always, I've always been, you know, like referred to as the, the funny guy or the cut up in the band or the whatever. And, and I wanted the chance to really tell some things from my perspective and, and, talk about my philosophies on life and um, hopefully people see another maybe a little bit deeper side to me than just being the funny guy
0: yeah it probably you know you get to exercise a bit of depth yeah which people don't always come to the funny guy for right and so yeah it feels good right like it feels like it's kind of like it's kind of like a real (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot to dig up the stuff and it's a lot even for me it was tough to 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 re-talk about the stuff um, but then you start to realize, which back to your very first point was, there are people out there that are struggling with some of the same things that you struggle with, that I struggle with, that feel like they're alone. I know. And if you can see that you, you know, Mister Rascal Flats can do it and had it happen to him and can deal with it, then yeah, um, then it, it happens to everyone.
1: I think that's the point is you think about people when they're by themselves and the lights are off and the door is shut and they're behind closed doors. What kind of pain and hurt that people deal with on a daily basis? We'll never know. And sometimes it's nice to know that somebody, you know, or somebody you may look up to or somebody you may admire has gone through some of the same things. And look, here's how they've dealt with it. And here's how they've overcome it and has, how they still still deal with it. You know, it doesn't go away. Um, hurt and pain doesn't go away the older you get. You just learn a different skill set and you have a different bag of tools to deal with it. And that's all I wanted to do was just say, look, if you're willing to try therapy and you're willing to try pills to balance out chemical imbalances and things like that, maybe there's another option. And maybe that option could be finding your own faith in God and finding your own relationship with him because you might find some hope and strength you you never even dreamed before.
0: You say your greatest blessing isn't, the
1: flats it isn't even your family but it's hope yeah what do you mean by that well i meant that hope was the only thing i had sometimes before i had my family or before i had the flats or anything all i had was hope and sometimes it would be the smallest little ounce of hope it would be a friend that would call me out of the blue and go i thought about you the other day just wanted to check in on you you doing okay and it would blow me away because it would be when I needed it the most and least expected it. Or I would see a sign of a, on a billboard in front of a church that would be a scripture and I would look it up in the Bible and it would be, you know, something that would give me like, hang in there, you're on the right track. I know you can't feel it, but you got to stay the course. Sometimes it was my mom. A lot of times it was my mom going, you're not coming back home. You're where you're supposed to be. And you've got to stay there. you got to stay the course. you got to, you know, dust yourself off, get back up on your feet, and keep moving forward. And that's what I mean about hope. My mom gave me that gift, and I didn't even realize she was giving it to me when she was dragging me off to church three or four times a week. But it was in there, and it took deep root in me, and I relied on it later on in life when things got really, really bad.
0: We're going to end with this. Oh, by the way, do you watch Game of Thrones?
1: I don't. Mm. You are, are are you a Thrones guy? Yeah, I, I try not to be the Thrones guy that yells about it all the time. Ooh, I know, and I, I feel so bad. I've given it like two shots, and I've made it through like three or four episodes, and it's just so much to keep up it's with. It's so much, yeah. I feel like I'm watching a high school play sometimes in about medieval times, <laughs> and I'm sure it's great. Uh, um, but maybe I need to give it another shot, But because a ton of people that I love and respect are obsessed with that show. I
0: think it's the great It's not my favorite of my life, but I think it's the best TV show of my lifetime. And I think there's a difference. The best TV show of your I think the best lifetime. TV show of my lifetime. Not my favorite. So I don't, it, if I get to pick one, it, that's not it.
1: I caught one episode late one night called the red wedding or something. Oh, like that's that, the, where everybody yeah, no, dies. No, that's the one. That and I'm like, like, I don't think I could like, <laughs> I don't think I can deal with this. That on was a, weekly a shocker. Basis.
0: That one was a big one, but yeah, it's a lot. Um,
1: and you fall in love with the characters and they all die, right? Like every single one of them. I'm not,
0: listen, the, it's like Fight Club.
1: You yeah. Don't, you don't talk about it. We don't talk about Fight you know, Club. Just, it's, a,
0: it's, a, it's a fantastic show, but you don't watch Thrones. What do you watch?
1: Well, I'm kind of more on the, more, that, I'm on the shallow end of things. Like I'm really into Shit's Creek right now on Netflix. Do love. you know
0: I matched with the girl that's on the, I don't know if I should say who it is, but one of the main actresses I'm on these dating apps, right? Yeah. And one of the main actors on the show I matched with on the dating app. Yeah. And uh, a, a little bit, you got to decide.
1: Have you talked to her? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hold on. That is awesome. I'll, uh, I'll I'll pull up her. And we've been talking. To, <laughs> I, saw, I love that. Because uh, the apps are crazy, man. It's like instant access to everyone. You can just, it's like free. Like, even 10 years ago,
1: you know, mm-hmm. with... Is something we talk about all the time, too. Don't you love how brave people are on social media when they get behind a keyboard? They can just get on there and just torpedo you with no repercussions.
0: I think that people just want to be heard, it and just, they find that the best way to be heard is to be the loudest and most
1: obnoxious. It just bugs the crap out of me. Do you because, look at your
0: Facebook or no? Uh,
1: you know, I, I don't look at the show Facebook page. I don't, anymore, and I I don't look time. at it, and, and I've almost thought about muting my Instagram comments because there'll be a hundred great comments and my personality is to zone in on the one guy that's being an ass you know what i mean and it will just send me over the edge you know i'll be like dude what did i
0: this is who i matched with you don't have to say who it is but we've been talking do you recognize it for the show of course i do
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: the whole do you thing. watch the show yeah of course and that's yeah. why when i saw it, i was like i'll click the heart and then i was surprised that the heart came back and so yeah she's that show shot in canada so she's in an Vancouver? Um I'm not sure where it's you, shot. That's
1: be if you were out in LA, you can you just go up straight yeah, up. Um, just go straight up.
0: Shit's Creek's funny.
1: Yeah. What else are you watching? Um, I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. <laughs> okay, the- let me ask you a question.
0: Me too, Die Hard. It was my mm. favorite show for years. But I got I got kind of lost. Yeah. yeah. And like I think I'm like a season behind and I don't know where I got lost, and I'm not super into catching up. <sighs>
1: the show's not the same without Rick. It's really lost a little bit, and and I got to tell you, it almost lost me for good when they at the beginning of a couple of seasons ago when they my my buddy Michael Cudlitz was on there, and they bashed his brains in with the baseball bat, and then
0: they Michael Cudlitz played too.
1: He played Abraham. Oh oh yeah, redhead yeah red hair, right? and then they killed Glenn off too, and they. Like popped his eyeball out yeah. with the baseball bat. And it was like everything. the, the was
0: finale like, or the first episode. Whenever, uh, yeah, this, yeah,
1: Negan Negan medicine. came and in. I yeah. love Jeffrey Dean Morgan; he's a fantastic actor. It just they took it so far because of the shock factor that they always try to do with that show, and you never know who's going to die. And I get it, and I am such a huge fans of, uh, of the sh- a fan of the show, but it started to lose me a little bit, to be quite honest. Yeah, I
0: when after Rick was gone, I just kind of got lost. What episode I was, and then I wasn't just terribly torn to get back at it.
1: I know. And I love Daryl, but I don't know that he's enough to hold the show by himself. I've turned into a TV critic all of a sudden, haven't I? Um, We all are at this point. Everything's so good. I know. If it's not so good and write up our
0: Algorithm, our human algorithm, to what show we want, then we just move on to the next thing.
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I love Chrisley knows best. I've been on a bunch of those episodes with Todd. He's a he's a buddy of mine. He wrote on the back of your book. It, he wrote yeah. the uh, hey, yeah, he's not a douchebag. Read the book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, he's not the jerk you think he is all of the time. Sometimes, I, I you know what show I like is nine one one. I think that's a pretty good show on Fox. Have when, you con- caught any of this? With kind Britain? Of um, the first season she's not in oh, okay. the second season, but um it's it's pretty decent. And we what we do is Allison and I just binge on some stuff every once in a while. I'm trying to think of what we're what else we're watching do you right now. Watch
0: any of the uh, Marvel stuff on Netflix, like The Punisher? I don't. God, is they, it good? It's the best show to binge. Is Agents of Shield any good? I didn't get into it. Did you watch Agents of Shield? Yeah, it's all right. I okay. yeah, I was never torn to watch, and he's a big. You see the Last Avengers? I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I saw Endgame. So it's I, amazing. I, I I'm I turn off Twitter when Game of Thrones ends because I'm on idle the same time and I have to go home, mm-hmm. so I don't even look at it. But I'm avoiding everything Avengers until I can watch yeah Endgame because it's supposed to be so freaking good.
1: Let me tell you, I was amazed at how great it was. I mean, it was three hours, and is that good, huh? You don't know it's three hours. I mean, it it goes by in a blink, doesn't it?
0: It does. Yeah, you know I mean, do.
1: it really, really does. You excited about John Wick 3? Have you yes. Seen Me too. Yeah, I actually love those movies. I,
0: I think Keanu Reeves is my favorite actor. Yeah. I, I've, de- I've declared uh. that he's now my favorite because you can make fun of him. You can. But look at his body of work.
1: Respect the body of work. So he's now America's favorite actor and mine. I love it. I, and you know what else? I got to tell you. Cobra Kai is fantastic see, too. I haven't seen it. I know it's a YouTube show. You gotta watch it, man. It's fantastic. What these guys have done with the storyline 30 plus years later with these two, you never see coming. It is really fantastic. Now, Billy Zapka, who plays Johnny, is one of my lifelong dearest friends. So I've you know, I've been a karate kid fanatic since I, it, the first movie came out when I was a teenager. But what they've done with the story and how they've taken those two characters. You would really, really appreciate and love.
0: Interesting. Well, listen. We've here's the question I was going to ask you before I veered off. If the last question I'll ask you, if you could tell yourself, you could give your your 16 year old self one little bit of advice from you right now, what would you tell him?
1: Condoms do break. Okay,
0: well, they're, and they're, they, <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> listen, uh, check out the book. Uh, it's uh, Shotgun Angels: My Story of Broken Roads and Unshakable Hope. How was how hard was that subtitle to have and to come up with? It was it was pretty tough. They wanted to, yeah. What was the first title of the book? Because I went through like nineteen it was, titles. It
1: was called something like, um, uh, hope hope in the hope in the forgotten places or something. I mean, I, I, there were so many different variations of that. I was like. None of them made me happy. My co-author, actually, Timothy, came up with that because of two stories in the book about my folks and also the angels that ride shotgun next to you that you don't even know about. Look at this. He's got a book. got a book. He play a couple songs on the keyboard. He's got, a, he's got a gift on the piano. He
0: says occasionally funny things. <laughs> um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you am glad. He's no Bobby him. Bones. I tell
1: you, this guy yeah, right here is no Bobby that's Bones. True. Hey,
0: thank God. Um, listen, uh, Jay, good to see you, bud. Good to see you, too. How thank long, you for your time. This? 109. Look at this. You ever been interviewed for hours straight? One-on-one?
1: Yeah. Hey, and it's just like Avengers Endgame. It didn't even feel like it. <laughs> well, we both died. <laughs> right. I don't even know what
0: happened <laughs> in Avengers. All right, listen. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Episode 177, Thanks. everybody. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Takovas is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tecovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovas has first-wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tecovas store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. tacovascom Find your new favorite pair of boots today.